you are one of those people that I really, really, really wanted to have on the podcast. Okay. Because I was on your podcast and it was one of those crazy things of how the internet works nowadays. Mm. We met through Instagram. Yeah. We have been friends for like over a year. Yep. And now we finally get to meet in person. We finally do, man. And it's such an honor to be here. Um, right now, I'm staying at your place. Uh, you extended your hospitality to me to come to Los Angeles. Finally, you know, the place I've been talking about, guys, since I was a kid. Uh, you know, the same vision as you, right? Coming to Hollywood, making movies and things like that. So um, my time will come with that. But I'm so grateful to be in this moment mm -hmm. uh, with you. Uh, who would have thought? You know what I mean? I followed Gary Vee's 180 method, simply following people, reaching out to people that are in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Or share the same hashtags. And um, you came across my page and you were so, you know, enthralled by like, you know, the way I presented myself on social media. And we did a podcast together and here we are now. Corner Talks podcast, by the way, that's by uh, Daniel Calderon. So yes, check that out. <laughs> of course. Yeah. When we first met, you were actually genuine about trying to meet with another person. And you were humble enough to say, hey, like I'm learning, I'm starting in this journey. What have you learned? What do you have to offer? That is kind of rare to find nowadays because usually people, when they get a little bit to your level of skills, because you were already creating content and doing things, yeah. you almost go into this path of like, already know I'm cool. Like I don't need to reach out to other people. And that used to happen to me when I was younger. I had a barrier towards asking other people for help and advice, yeah. especially when you are close. I think when people are way ahead of you, like big directors, yeah, of course you're going to want advice from Spielberg or Christopher Nolan. But another guy that is kind of close in age and just doing things a little bit more advanced, but is still kind of in the same range, usually we will be like, nah, I'm better than that guy. Look, yeah. I, I'm not gonna go and talk to them and like they're gonna think they're like the shed and yeah But you were quite the opposite. You just reach out and then we started talking and it was really good How has that helped you besides our relationship with other things with your production company and with the things that you do now? Yeah, that's the basis of my personality. Uh, thank you for actually bringing that up. Uh, that's not for professional reasons I don't do this to kind of strategize and accumulate like clients or potential contacts like yourself um, since I was a child, I always was honest, open, uh, and transparent really with anyone that I met. Um, and being humble was a quality that I've been told my whole life that I have, um, because I'm always looking to learn. I'm a very curious individual. You know, since I was a child, I was rambunctious, the teachers would call me, right? Because I had a creative mind. I always wanted to learn about things. You know, I'd question things. You know, my parents often have this running joke in the family that when I was a child, they'd say, uh, you know, I'd ask, why is the sky blue? you know, or why is it getting dark, you know, and they would laugh. But if you think about it, that's a child being inquisitive, mm -hmm. right? And you should acknowledge that. Um, this quality, this trait of mine about being humble has really helped me to expand my business, has really allowed me to create a lot of clients, um, contacts like yourself. Um, you know, I can't imagine not being humble, you know what I mean? And not being the one to reach out to you and say, you know, I need, I need help on something or, um, you know, how did you get this far? When I connected with you, Axel, I viewed you as someone that, and you are like more advanced in your career. Um, you're older than me. You've been doing it for a long time. You went to school for it. Um, and as much as this has been a passion since I was a child, it wasn't something that I really pursued steady um, until I was about 25, right? I've been, you know, getting in, I've been writing since I was 17, 
but to actually become the director that you know you see me as now um, and following in the footsteps as yourself or aspire to get to Quentin Tarantino level it hasn't been in the last two years so knowing that I needed to kind of you know elevate my skills um, by reaching out by being um, mm-hmm. humble enough to say Axel someone that is LA based you know he must know a network he not, must know how things run and you tell me on a daily basis you know mm-hmm. Daniel change this Daniel change that um, I would pay attention to this my advice to you would be this now let's be honest you know as human beings you know even the company we work for they talk about it all the time we want to uh, feel like we know everything, right? It's mm-hmm. just a human thing. We want to, to feel confident about ourselves and we feel uh, ashamed, let's be honest, when we say, I don't know about something. And we shouldn't embrace that. We should embrace the opposite mm-hmm. and saying, if I don't know something um, and I'm willing to ask you know, how to improve on it, that should be um, a step towards becoming a better individual, yeah. right? And that's, I think, something that you see in me, right? It's mm-hmm. like beyond our filmmaking passions and like artistry, I was thinking about this the other day, I'm like, you know, to be associated with Axel, you know, we were talking about high value men. No, I'm serious, right? Yeah. It's because you recognize those qualities, Mm -hmm. right? Because you're not going to find that many people that are humble enough, you know, the humility, I should say, to say, I don't know about this. Can you teach me this? And even like, for example, at the gym today, right? If you notice, like we were doing weights and exercises and you were telling me about form, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I know a lot of friends that would be like, yo, I know what I'm doing, like back off. But was I always open-minded? Yeah, Why? Of course. Because you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? I'm in a position where I'm not following fitness as maybe as closely, or maybe I have been doing it all wrong all along. And when you explain, see, so you don't just say do it like this because I told you. You explain why, how it's going to benefit your back, you know, how it's going to mm-hmm. benefit your breathing. And that's what people need to understand. Um, that's what's something that I'm trying to always instill in my life is be the learner always be looking to improve um yeah of course it hurts to get feedback or get rejection sometimes yeah especially doing yeah. creative projects yes yeah. we go through this a lot uh at the company that we work for yeah we work at impact theory with tom and lisa Bilyeu. and dude when i make a video and i i feel super good about it and i send it to lisa and she will destroy it yeah but i'm always taking it as she wants to make it better yeah so we we can win of course and the same with you sometimes i i get to review your videos yeah. uh, because you're editing and I, in my position i get to review cuts and things like that right. and then i say okay daniel this doesn't work change that color change this change that and you're always like listening and you if you have a strong idea about something you know how to explain oh this is the concept that i was going for and then we can talk about it and then make a decision so i think it's really interesting that you and i are working at impact theory and how that happened yeah. and all of that could you talk about the process like after you got the interview because i think many people i get this question asked right. a lot like oh how do you get to work at impact theory right right so tell people about the process of like once you got that first meeting and how that happened like how the process goes once you get your foot in the door yeah once i got the job or once i got leading up to the the leading up to getting the job talk to you about that yeah Yeah. so this all goes back to um you know something we always discuss right um you know being persistent in what you want setting a goal and knowing what you want and that's something that we, we we share that's something that you see in me when you the day you told me you know there's an opportunity right you don't know if i'll guaranteed but you're gonna put a good word for me I made sure that I was going to get that job. So I did everything in my power. Yeah. Um, there were six people, you know, uh, open for the candidacy. And I said, I'm going to become that person they select because I was going through a rough period in my life. You know, I, I 
was using uh, the pandemic to uh, elevate my craft, to build my business, 94 Productions. Um, but I needed to work. I needed some sort of sanity. I needed to have a team of, of people. I'm a social individual. As much as I like my own time, I do uh, enjoy collaboration, right? So I wanted to be, I wanted to know what it was like to be part of a team again, a creative team. And when you told me there was an opportunity to excel and be creative, I said to myself, okay, this is my chance. This is my chance to make myself known. So the whole process of getting hired, I had to show that I was creative, right? And uh, there was this editing process that I had to do. Now, you told me, you know, gave me some specifications. You know, you could do a video, two videos. I think you even said, don't even worry about doing 10 because I said to you, I want to do mm -hmm. 10. You're like, no, 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 don't stress out. Just do 10 here. And I mean, sorry, just do two here, submit it. They're going to review it. Then they'll do the revisions just to see that there's that correspondence. Mm -hmm. And I said, because I got this from my mother, right? My mother, shout out to my mom, like, you know, just a huge fighter, very tough woman, but fair. She never makes me half-ass anything. And she found out about this opportunity and she said, Daniel, because I said, you know, Axel, like he's telling me do two. Daniel, you don't do two, you do 10. You always go 100, you never go 90. And that's what happened. I did 10 videos of one version and then I did another 10 videos of another version and I spent Saturday and Sunday, all of my time, I didn't even go out, I canceled all my plans to do those videos. And I didn't know if I was gonna get this job. In my heart, I believed it, but I didn't know, right? Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. And I went for it. Um, and I was blown away that, you know, I, I should say this, they received it, they liked it, but it wasn't a quick turnaround. If you remember this, mm -hmm. I had to stay, this is what I mean by being persistent. I had to be adamant. I had to go follow up two months. I was on Axel, you know, I was like, Hey, what's going on with this? I, I need to know. Yeah. You know, Axel tried his best, you know, at the end of the day, he can only do so much. Um, there was a lot of, you know, difficulties, but I made sure that they didn't forget about me mm -hmm. because a lot of people will just submit and say, Oh, I don't know what happened to it. I followed up because I believed I had an opportunity. This was my time. This was my place. And lo and behold, two months later, you know, they got back to me. We do the interview and yeah. you, you helped me out. You, you told me all the, all the points that I need to say, needed to mention. And here I am now, right? Um, and just, you know, thank you for bringing that up because looking back, you know, people might think um, with these opportunities, you, you get the interview, you get the in, oh, you got it because of your friend. Yeah, of course. I, I owe oh, credit. You, you definitely put my name in the, in the door, but staying consistent, showing up, doing the hard work, mm -hmm. spending that weekend, doing 10, 20 videos. Um, there's a lot of people that might discount that, right. That might not, uh, think about that, how, how it can help. So, uh, really proud of myself that I was able to do that, yeah. you know, and I'm here now. Um, and I, I feel like working at this company has really, uh, you know, opened my eyes, really brought me a lot of insight, uh, how I can become a better editor working alongside you, you know, all your notes. Again, if, if it's something I, I disagree, I'll tell you articulately, mm -hmm. but for the most part, um, I needed this because I needed to always be creative. I needed to be in that creative element every single day. You know, I couldn't do something where I was being creative at night and then not creative during the day. You know what I mean? I needed one, both feet in, in the door. So yeah, uh, yeah, it was an amazing, it was an amazing experience, man. And yeah, uh, and you uh, killed it with the videos. I remember, uh, I was very happy because I put your name in, but then you have to do the work, right? The goods. Yeah, like, exactly. I can only do the introduction exactly. and you blew everyone on the team away with the quality and the speed and the self-sufficiency to think through the titles and think how to do it without having to get so much direction from the marketing team which is always helpful for the marketers because they're busy doing so of many course, things of course. so i really like how you did that and then something that i wanted to talk about is 
how have you seen the process of working at Impact? Because it was like your first like real job with a media company. Yeah. You're in Toronto, working remote, different time zone, but you're still part of the teams and having quick turnarounds. How do you see the value of process within the creative output of the things that we do? Because we're very process-centered in the way that we try to create all the systems and checks and parameters and things. So like how has the experience been? Yeah, how has that been? Because usually people, when they start doing videos, it takes them many, many years to get to a place where they understand it's not just being creative and being cool with the edit or the camera work. The whole production and post-production workflow process uh, working with Chris Lewis and Herson and yeah. like everyone in the team, how has that been uh, for you? Yeah, honestly, um, I'm just gonna say this. You know, media is a business, right? As we know, um, I'm an artist first, and I'll always say that proudly. Um, as much as we live in a world where the reality is, is you got to make a profit on something. Um, I understood quickly that this is a, 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 a something that we need to look at data, right? Look at how things are. Uh, performing and like you said it's not just about making things look fancy or cool or aesthetically pleasing it's about how do you appeal to the market how do you reach certain stats how do you generate revenue Mm -hmm. right Um, and that's what I mean by like media as a business film as a business as we like to say right Um, so I've worked actually in a media company a big uh, film distributor in Canada but it was on a corporate level right for entertainment one Um, so you're right this would be technically my first job from a creative perspective Mm -hmm. because I am immersed uh, daily in the output, right, Uh, on their social media pages. Um, And it's a huge honor, but it's also a pressure in a sense where, you know, what we put out is the face of the brand, right? So um, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm I'm very honored that I'm knowing that I'm contributing to that. Um, But at the same time, you, it's a learning curve every day, right? You, You understand how Impact Theory got to the place it is now, right? And the people that are involved and why. Uh, there are certain things we need to adhere to. You know, you and I, we've had those calls like, you know, oh, we should make this like this and we got to make it more, you know, eye gouging, like, you know, just uh, engaging, right? But then we'll go into the numbers, right? We'll go to the data and the marketing team will explain, no, this appeals more. Now, the numbers don't lie, right? And that's what I'm saying as I've learned uh, as an editor, as a creative, is that sometimes um, when it comes to actually like going through the process, we have to adhere to the market. Because as Gary Vee, I know I mentioned him, uh, likes to say the market's always right. You know what I mean? The market will decide. Um, so I'm saying in terms of from a creative uh, individual, that's something that uh, I learned very quickly is that how much we had to focus in on marketing. Yeah. And it hurts. Yeah. Because sometimes I want to do a video a certain way. Right? I want it to look right? this way. Or a certain song or like, you know, yes. a certain ti- uh, font title or right. Things like that. The wordy, the verbiage that you use. Um, so we quickly had to, had to understand that. And, uh, you even told me many times, like how many times, like through my pitch, you know, you would have those calls. I'm like, yeah. Axel, like, this is a sick idea. You're like, I understand, but the numbers need to add up. And I'm yeah. like, what, what's this guy talking about? <laughs> and then I realized at the end, that's what I mean, right? Media is a business. Like, yeah. how can we make videos that are not making money at the end of the day? Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, well, I guess the way that we do that is with our passion projects well artists first that's what i mean yeah which now oh, i want yeah. to get into because i 100 percent agree with you and that has been my experience too yeah. and i'm trying to learn and be in the middle right because i'm a director and i, I love the artistry but i'm also a producer yeah and I, and I like 
making money. And yeah. I told Tom at the beginning, like, I don't want to be a starving artist or a starving director. Like, I want to be part of the studio, help the studio get big so we can all make yeah. a lot of impact in people's lives, but also make a lot of money because yeah. I don't want to just be poor making movies. But I have made a lot of projects that I loved with no money, just like dumping money into it. So tell me about your experience with that. I know you have a few projects in development. Yes. You also finished uh, some short films. And how has that been for you, being a, a new filmmaker, trying to make things happen in Toronto? Yeah, for sure. Um, all I got to say to sum it up in one word is grateful. Um, you know, having these projects that I've been making in the last two years, the team that I've assembled, and the amount of contacts that I've made in Toronto, I was explaining to you, like, I have a life in Toronto, like I have people uh, in Toronto that I know now, a network, um, has just been uh, so gratifying. I've been in a situation where I didn't go to film school, right? So I didn't know a lot of contacts and I've accumulated like, you know, these sources that help me make these projects come to life, you know? So basically with this project, um, like these short films that I've made, it's allowed me to be my creative self, right? It's all Dan Daniel's fingerprints are all over it, right? It's in my whole vision. And, you know, you've given me pointers on it 100%, you know, of course there's room for improvement 100%. For me, the way I look at it, when I take a step back, is like I like I did all that I could in that moment in time. You know what I mean? Like it's all me on that screen. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that vulnerability that I'm proud of. Um, but I recognize that there's always like again, being the student, being the learner, there's always room for improvement. And yeah, recently um, I did a, a I directed a project where I wasn't the director of photography as well. <laughs> we had a DP on set. Uh, so I was really proud of that moment. That was a huge accomplishment for me, Axel, because as a director, we all know it's important to have that communication, to know how to delegate a set, right? Um, so I'm really excited about the result. I'll be editing that film myself. Um, and the yeah, the projects that are um, coming up. So interesting enough how you said you don't want to be a director, like a starving artist, right? I never, I don't want to be seen as just a film director, if that makes sense. That's my primary goal, like I, that's my identity. But uh, maybe it's the circumstances now or just a creative, um, you know, palette I need, uh, need to like uh, satisfy. But I want to be um, creative in anything that I want to pursue. So, for example, my dance music videos that promote my clothing line, 94 Productions, uh, a podcast, right? Um, I'm doing now behind the scenes vlogs, right? Something that I shared with you, how passionate I am mm -hmm. about um, showing different uh, content creators and how they live their life behind the camera. That's something that, you know, you and I agree on how, how vital it is. And yeah, those clients love that because it's something different. It's something that's not, oh, you're just a short film director or you're just a, trying to make feature films. And I realized that I had to reverse engineer my career and say, listen, I can make short films, I can find funding, I can do all that. But I'm such a creative individual. This is why what led me to you and Impact Theory is that I need to do other projects in the meantime to satisfy so many creative itches. And I believe that as I create, 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 progress with these projects, because it's already happening, every time I put something out, I find this person, that person, this guy knows this guy, this guy knows that guy. Like these dancers that are now doing the dance music video, Axel. It's because I networked with a guy that sold me, you know, some streetwear clothing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then he knew someone else that, uh, this other dancer that I worked with on set, that it was an actress that told me she was a dancer. Like every time I create a project, that's what I mean is like, instead of investing, instead of building for that one big project, I believe in doing as many projects as you can because the amount of people knowledge and resources you accumulate along the way can really benefit you long term and then you'll feel it impact all at once 
that's interesting yeah for me i'm in a different stage yeah so i'm the opposite yeah at this stage in life right. i think i agree with you everything that you just said mm -hmm. i agree a hundred percent when you are in the stage that yes. you are yes which is still your first like your first decade of yep. being into film that's fair i have been doing film and video and all that for about 17 almost 18 years yeah so it's coming up on two decades yeah and i did all of that yeah now my problem is i love creating things and especially when they're short projects that you do them quickly and you get that high and yeah. you're shooting and it's so much fun and i i still do those every now and then yeah. when i go out with uh jed from alpha guard and we shoot cars and we wrap the cameras and we do little videos and stuff like that but for me my problem is I need to focus all of my energy into one big piece mm -hmm. because the small videos help you a lot in training. But then once you have that training, you need to almost like graduate to a bigger yeah. thing. That's, and that's what happened with my feature Literary Inc. Yeah. I sat down and I said, I must make a feature film. Otherwise, like I was feeling like uh, like a failure. Yeah. And I said, what can I do to make this movie? Like, what would it take? And then when you sit down and look at all the possibilities and all the friendships and all the favors I could pull in, how could I make it with the least amount of money and all that? And that's what I went after that. And then you'll, trust me, in a few years, yeah. because you want to be a filmmaker, right? there is nothing like walking up to the theater mm -hmm outside everyone is all dressed up for the premiere red carpet and all that you go inside you're still gonna have problems like yeah trust of course. Me. like my movie would not play like we rented an IMAX oh, theater. Really? Uh, the movie would not play we had problems what? with oh the file God. and like we had 20 minutes before showtime oh. we fixed it we oh, figured okay, it out okay. uh will vest shout out to will he was with me through the whole process nice. of getting that made he was one of the producers on the film and he also helped me shoot it and helped me with the whole post when that movie came on on the big screen bruh that's out of yeah that fulfillment i'm telling you guys like, i know i had the chills all over i was like yeah that's why we're in this business man that's why i tell people it's like you know they, they think it's vain like you know you want people's attention you want people but it's like it's the right attention like when you tell a joke right you don't want one person to laugh you want 10 million to laugh you want 20 million and that's as storytellers why why we tell our stories is we want people to be part of our experience you know the things that shaped us and yeah i was very close to that actually funny enough that you said that because we did for one of my short films crack they rented out a theater and everything like that nice. i couldn't go for my own purposes but I saw the posts and it was amazing. Like they all dressed up. They said they missed me. They did a Q&A after and things like that. And you're absolutely right, man. Like to see it on the screen, I can only imagine. And that's something that I aspire to, right? Like set big dreams, set big goals. I told you yeah. my mission in life, you know, make a feature by 30. Um, and that's something that I have my, my set on. It's all about comparing yourself from yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, you're at a different stage in your life. And it's interesting enough, right? You know, we're a little bit of years apart, but in terms of like our careers and where we're going, um, I believe like we're we're on a similar path on like you know the things we want out of it you know in the end yeah. right and that's why we connected so well because I loved when we were talking um, it's interesting I don't know if it's because I'm from Toronto but there's filmmakers that happily say no I, I don't mind making like small films here or, you know working for a big company here 
And I'm like, no one wants to go to Hollywood. Like, no one wants to make it like mainstream. Like, you know what I mean? Like, get their films worldwide. So when I was speaking with you, and you had that same passion, that vigor, I was saying to myself, like, these are the people I want to connect with. And I took your advice. You know, we. I, I should mention this. You know, Axel after the podcast said it's always good to connect and network um, with individuals. But uh, I made it a point to make sure I was always in your circle. You know, mm-hmm. I was always asking him questions about, and he helped me. You know, purchase a monitor, purchase sound equipment uh, that I still use today. Um, and that's another thing, right? You know, you gotta always follow up. You gotta always uh, show up and be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that you're here, you came before, but you're here again in LA. What's the vibe? What are you feeling? Like, yeah, is it all up to the hype? Is it worth it? Honestly, yeah. Like I've been here. Uh, to be fair, like right now when we do this podcast, uh, only a couple of days, uh, and I was here last when I was 25. Um, it's a very different experience. I'm the kind of person, I'll be honest, I was telling my parents this, I get homesick for some reason uh, really fast. Mm. Um, so you're already homesick? It's, it's weird. Yeah, man. I, 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 wow. I know this is the first time you're hearing this. Not because of the hospitality. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> great host. Um, I just, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe because I was born in Toronto and I was raised there. Been there all my life, really. Like, and even though I've traveled, I've always been like that. Even when I was in Italy, like the motherland, like my hometown, like where my parents are from. I still remember telling my parents, like, Yo, I can't wait to be back in Toronto. Really? It's just, I don't know how to explain it. Actually. It's just a, diff- a different energy when I'm there. Um, but then when I am there, there are times when I'm like, no, I wish I was like, you know what I mean? In Los Angeles. Especially when it's freezing oh, cold. Oh yeah, when it's freezing. Yeah, it's 100%. But no, honestly, um, other than that, um, it's, it's a great city. Um, I love the, the weather. I love the creativity, you know, exuding off of everybody. Um, there's so much expression here, right? You know, just how people dress, uh, their tattoos, you know, the people that we've, we've come across, right? Just how they present themselves, you know what I mean? And you get that in Toronto for sure, don't get me wrong. But here it's like, I'm a creator, you know? I'm creative or I'm aspiring to be in the creative field. Um, Toronto's a little bit different. You'll get creatives, but you also get people corporate, right? You also mm-hmm. get the very business, serious look. Um, so and it, it, I thrive in the, the, this kind of environment, right? Like the streetwear, the culture. I was telling you all about this. We were having a whole conversation. Streetwear. streetwear. Let's, let's talk about Yeah, let's jump into that, boys. Then, yeah. <laughs> so yesterday we went to a store. We had to charge the car, and then we stopped. We wanted. I wanted to take Daniel to like a fancy yeah. watch store so he could look at fancy watches. Uh, and then it was closed so we keep walking and we bump into this like streetwear store I didn't know you love streetwear and we just had like during the day we had this whole conversation about wearing suits and like the way it makes you feel and like expression of like sophistication and being like a a man that has his things together we end up at a streetwear yeah. store yeah. because Mr. Daniel here likes streetwear better than suits. Honestly, uh, yeah, I never said that. Like, well, well, I, okay, so <laughs> yes, you yes, did. Yes, I did. Okay, I'll admit it. I, yes, I did. Um, I still, I still would wear a suit, especially out of my premiere. I'm not showing up in a hoodie. You got, <laughs> you, you can bet your butt on that. <laughs> the Oscars, yeah, you'll see me in a suit. But streetwear is my comfortability like my preference um streetwear stems back to again uh being creative having that expression there are so many options you can do and again we see differently on it and that's mm-hmm. fine you know that's what makes us different yeah. you know well I mean? the funny thing is that i used to wear rib jeans all the time yeah yeah i used to have like you don't remember the chains no that's crazy that yeah. you used to have that oh wow. we used to have like that at hardy days oh my God, yeah, yeah like yeah, the yeah. chains I used to do weird stuff. Like I liked 
like the pins that had like all the pockets yeah the cargo and, pants on the bottom like yeah. yeah when they had on things the yeah, yeah, like yeah. i would ride things on the pants oh, that's i learned how to do the shredding of the fabric okay. yeah so it wouldn't break so you have the shred yeah of course still, of course uh like i liked all of that yeah so i grew up in cuba getting clothes there is very hard like it's very right, difficult right. we always had like pass me downs from like I used to wear my dad's clothes and then my brothers will wear my clothes and right it was always hard to get clothes but i i love converse shoes okay and i remember my first pair of converse shoes i saved 60 dollars which in in the money that i was making at that time it was like me saving to buy a pair of shoes for like almost six months yeah to buy my pair of Converse. Wow. So I really liked... It was an accomplishment for you, yeah. It was. Yeah. So I really liked that streetwear until I got older and then I met different people and then I learned and got educated on the the nuances of men's clothing and then the whole world kind of opened up yeah. and things changed. I still can appreciate like streetwear and there are some shoes that i really like and stuff like yeah, that yeah but you love it no i i love it and and it's interesting that you say that because it is you, you are right to a certain extent like with regards to suits my whole notion is um of course it's how you dress and how you present yourself because that was what matters but it's also how you speak right so yeah. i wear streetwear but you would still say i'm an educated person yeah right of course and i can still consider myself as classy i've gotten that from people even though i dress the way i do now, don't get me wrong. Like there are times when I even look at myself and I said, okay, maybe I shouldn't have wore the hoodie and the track pants today because I look like, you know what I mean? <laughs> there, there, there's a way to do it tastefully, right? Yeah. But for the most part, like I just enjoy um, that look. I, I enjoy that uh, appearance. Now, like with anything, that could change with age, right? Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. I'm in my 20s, right? Yeah. When I hit my 30s, you know, even 40s, like I'll probably uh, grasp that mindset. Yeah, you know that I mean? might change, or yeah. maybe not. Like there's, and you're in heaven for streetwear right now because, yeah, of course, in LA that's what people like. I'm the weird guy with the suit, yeah, uh, because you should. I even suit. commented. I joked around. I said, "Yo, Axel with the suit again," because I'm thinking like, "Yo, you're in LA. Isn't that where everyone wears like hoodies and you know yes, what I mean? Like it is, it is uh, vans and things like that." Um, but you're absolutely right. But this is what I mean by like I'm not ashamed to say like you're right about something or like you you got something going because psychologically when I saw you at that suit when you take the photos at Impact Theory or you're on set with you know your your other uh, cast and crew, I'm like who is that? That's just, that guy. That guy showed up. That guy's called. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it does work yeah. to your effect, right? Like the nuances, right? I just I'm the kind of guy where it's like be both. You know, like I love showing up. Uh, with hoodies i like showing up with ripped jeans but then it's like you see me in a suit and it's like jaw drop do you know what i mean of course your jaw yeah. drop like the italian guy rolls right? up in the suit and he's from toronto of course yeah so it's like that's that's how i look at it where it's like that build up you know that's suspect because that's what happened you know wedding recently yeah you know everyone used to seeing me you know with my la look even my cousins my italian cousins they were mimicking my style too like with the long the sleeves that end off at the past the elbow and then they see me in the suit and they're like, is that the same guy? Some people actually didn't even know it was me. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I, how I like to be in my life. Mysterious. You know, you don't knew, know who the real Daniel is. And if you do, take it as a compliment. Oh, mysterious guy. So tell me, mysterious guy, how has it been the whole 
mystery with ladies and being a director and like all of that let's let's talk about that for a little bit yeah yeah for sure man uh, the whole mystery thing uh has worked in my favor and it's not worked in my favor right um like with anything in life the mystery thing is intriguing because you know they want to get to know more about you that's a, lo a lot of the past relationship that i had happened that way because it was more enticing to them that everybody was so open and loud and like in your face mm -hmm. and i was the more subdued i was like you know kind of like reserved um speaking when i felt like it was time to speak That's you know what i mean i also select people that i want to share energy with that's just always been my my personality um i try to get better though like i try to you know because for the purposes of my career i want to be that guy that anyone can talk to me i want to be approachable and i am that way when i have a set right but in terms of, you know, just going out sometimes, there are times when I just like being in my own head, like being in my own moment. Um, and that's just something that like I've accepted, um, but there does, doesn't mean we can't improve on. Um, but yeah, with the whole mystery thing, uh, it can work against you too, right? Because some people want to know who the hell you are, you know, why are you staring at me? Why are you looking at me? Like, what are you thinking about? What's on your mind, right? It kind of bothers them, right? Um, and I've had that. Right. Like I've had because of my look, they think I'm, you know, judging them or they might think, you know, uh, thinking other thoughts or whatever. And then once I open my mouth, they realize, no, it's just sweet Daniel. Yeah. So um, it, you can't with with this whole dating, we we're talking about this culture and things like that. From my experience, or at least how I see it, you can't uh, curate yourself, tailor yourself to like appease everyone. You know, everyone's going to have an opinion on like who you attract. Um, all you can do really is know how to be social, know how to be, um, how, know how to carry yourself, be a man of status, be authentic to yourself. You know what I mean? Because what I learned quickly, the relationships that I've um, been with in, in the past, is who do you want to be at the, be with at the end of the day? You know, something that you and I discuss as we get older, as we pursue our dreams in filmmaking, our time is very limited. I don't know about you, like I'm already thinking about all the stuff I have to do when I get back. You know, I got so many projects and it's like for me to invest that time, for me to share that energy with that person, there needs to be that chemistry, as our boy Abraham was mentioning. Yeah. Shout out to him. Um, and that comes with maturity, I feel like that comes with, you know, just the experiences that I've gone through. Um, it's not just me, you know, saying, oh, I just want to talk to everybody and whatever. And it's like, yeah. yo, I would love to for sure. But I'm at a point in my life and I really do mean this where I want my dream more than anything. And I'm, I'm really gunning for it because I know that I know we have a lot of time and I know, you know, they're, they're, I'm, I'm young, I'm 27, but I want to make something of myself while I'm in my prime. You know what I mean? Like while I don't want it to be like I'm 50 years old and I'm still trying to make it happen because I got distracted or I was chasing the wrong things. Um, and that's something you and I were, were discussing is it's because I've been through that, right? Because I got a taste of it. I know what it's like to be on the other end. Yeah, 100%. I think people completely misunderstand what being in film and TV is relating to relationships and all of that. Yeah. I think because people have seen a lot of movies and like all the directors and producers are doing a lot of drugs and going to all these parties and all that. Yeah. Trust me, all of that is out there. It's there. Yeah. If you wanted it. Yeah. But the reality is I want to make movies. Like, yeah. If I go and do that, it will be so stupid because then I will be wasting my time. I'll be getting into a lot of liabilities and get into a lot of problems for nothing. And then at the end of the day, like you were telling me this. Yeah, I could go be with a girl and then 
spend like a month or two months like investing myself into that and then at the end it'd be like i didn't make a movie i yeah. didn't shoot anything i don't have any anything new so unless that person is very valuable to you it doesn't make any sense to put your time towards it because you're right we don't have enough time so now that you are lining up all of these projects and all of that how are you going to be able to do the job because i also have the same situation i'm working at the studio full time we have a full load of yeah. work and i'm also trying to make my films on the side right. so how are you managing your time and then social life family life dating fitness like how do you do all of that uh, it all comes down to priority um so i have a regimented schedule um, it does fluctuate, but I like to keep things systemized like yourself. I see, I've noticed living here two days, you're very organized <laughs> and I, and I love that about you. Right. Um, that's, that's a man, you know, high value person. Um, so I keep things in priority. So fitness is at the top for me. Like no matter what I go to the gym. Um, if I miss a day, it's because work is a second priority right? Mm -hmm. Work, work is still a priority, but don't get me wrong, but you understand my point, right? It's like my mental health, my physical health has to be in shape in order for me to perform. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I focus on the work, you know, the job that I have. Um, and then when, with regards to my business, that is a, the next priority after that. And that priority, um, is when it's convenient either during the week and on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Now being an entrepreneur, being someone that is pursuing that path, right. Of creating a production company, I've noticed that what they say is your social life is going to suffer. I've noticed that firsthand. Now, I've tried to do the whole balance thing and it does work. You know, it's great. Uh, I had a brief period, you know, where, where you can balance the two. Um, but it's like there's so much time. I, I just like even just thinking about it, because what it is, Axel, is you work during the week, right? Sometimes you know how busy we get Monday to Friday. And then that weekend is the only time you have to work for that client's video. And if you don't get it done, Right. Then you got to worry about next weekend. Now, that's another weekend. You could work on your personal project or another client's video. Right. So I'm at that point where I'm trying to build this business. Right? I'm trying to accumulate clients and do all that. And I have to see where my time is being spent. So it's back to your question in terms of like balancing it, like or how do I fit that in? I think it just comes down to prioritizing and discipline and not being afraid to say, yeah, I can't hang out or like back to the conversation. like not going to invest that much time hanging out with this person because the energy is not reciprocated. I'm not going to, I don't want to be like chasing, you know what I mean? It's like for me to in, spend that time, you want to feel like it's valuable. You know what I mean? You're getting uh, a return back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's what film brings to me. That's why I spend so much time on it where I consider myself a workaholic is because I get that, fu that fulfillment back when I finish it, even though it was grueling sometimes, you know how it is. Mm -hmm. When people text me, DM me, when people, my community, my peers, when people tell me you inspire me to be a better person, you inspire me to conquer your dreams. People coming to me at the gym going, you have the balls to go after your dreams because I work in a corporate office and I never did that. That is what makes me keep going because I'm almost, it's almost like I'm representing the, the, the community I, I grew up in. And I'm kind of like showing them and inspiring them. Like since I was a kid, keep in mind, I was always telling them I wanted to be a filmmaker. And then that to actually see it, you know, that's why 94, you know, it's uh, to represent all the, all, all the people I grew up with. So 94 was the, the year that you were born? The, 1994, the year I was born. Um, you know, take that as you will. <laughs> uh, it's also the number, uh, the year, I should say, uh, Tarantino, my hero, 
the person I looked up up to as a filmmaker, Pulp Fiction was released. And it was released around actually September, I believe, late September, early October, around the time I was born. And that was the that was the movie that made him, right? That was the 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 one that put him on the map. And you know, just interjecting there, throwing Tarantino. Tarantino people, you know, see it as oh, you love the gore, you love the violence, or like you know, you, you love the music and the filmmaking. Yeah, I love all that. Of course, of course, of course. But it's more to that. Like with like with me, with a lot of things, it's deeper. Tarantino represents the rebel. Tarantino represents the outsider, the loner, the guy that no one looked to, the guy that was the underdog. You know, I hear these podcasts, you know, of him talking about in his 20s, like he never got the, the attention he felt he deserved or, you know, people were acknowledging his work and people were rejecting him. And that's something that I faced my entire life um, because people misunderstood me, whether it was for being mysterious, whether it was for, you know, uh, my creative passions. I was always the unconventional one. But now in the last two years and even now in the present, I feel that I'm becoming what I always wanted to be. The outsider the rebel, the underdog. I embrace that now, where it's like, when you look to me, when I get to that point in my life where I'm established, you're gonna know that I did everything I could to get to that point. And you're gonna feel that passion. You know, you're gonna feel that inspire, inspiration. And I'll say that in my acceptance speech. I will tell and call out to all the people that feel like they're alone, that feel like they're losers, that feel like they're nobodies, that you're meant for something greater. You just gotta go after it. And you gotta ignore everything else. See, a big thing for me that I've come talking, speaking about men is I've learned don't let anything in life define you as a man. Don't let all these external things define you. How much money you're making, how many girls you have around, how many creative projects you're doing. What defines you as a man is that you show up and that you're true to your word. And that's something that I always kind of remind myself. And I choke up just thinking about it because I've been through so much bad negativity in my life. And I tell myself, that's the person that I choose to be, you know, the one that can look myself in the mirror, look you and say, I was true to myself. You know what I mean? I was a man of my word. That's really good. So thank you. Daniel, if you could do anything and money's not an issue, time is not an issue, what would you do? Oh, I would continue to make movies. <laughs> I why? would. Why? Why? And I know the yeah, answer. You know like, the answer. I know yeah. the answer. Axel, Axel likes to pull it out of me. I like. <laughs> no, he's a good friend. He's a good friend. Um, I love telling stories because it's an extension of who I am. All my struggles, all my fears, all my triumphs, right? Everything that I've experienced in my life, the only way that I'm able to express it is through a narrative piece of storytelling. And my teachers have told me that. I remember, still remember getting this reference letter from a guy named Mr. Coffee. shout out to him, who called me a cinematic genius, right? He basically explained that I see the world through a lens. Um, characters, because I write, right? I see myself as a writer. So all these scenarios, like even right now, right? Like I'm already visualizing this being in a movie, like, you know, how this would play as a set piece. That's how I see, perceive, like study the world. You know, it's only through that aspect. Um, so I can't see myself doing anything else. This is what I mean by like being psychotic. And I know you've talked to me about being aggressive and things like that, which is very interesting to me because I, I get your, your piece of advice, you know, being aggressive, always got to like, you know, be dominant, show up. But it's like when I need to be, I know that I can be really ruthless. And it was funny that you said desperate. You know, how you said be desperate. It's like I've known those moments where when you're desperate, you really go all, all in back to the application to impact theory. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to say is like just going all in and being ruthless about um, that passion. It's just I, I will never give up the dream. 
And that's why my expression is keep the dream alive. You know what I mean? Like filmmaking is to my core what I want. And people have told me that no matter what day of the week, no matter how he's feeling, it's always film. Did you see that movie? Did you see that performance? Yo, what did you think about that style? Yo, did you see the cuts here? Whatever. It is who I am. That defines me too. That is what I'm proud that defines me. Is no matter what I go through in life, always know me as the guy that loves movies. Always know me as the guy that loves to tell stories. That's who I am. So Pulp Fiction, yes. would that be like your favorite of all times? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't really have a favorite of all time. Pulp so Fiction. So let's, let's talk about like... Yeah, sure. Top five. Okay, yeah. Um, I can give you a, a rough list. Uh, Goodfellas is up there. Okay. Uh, Pulp Fiction is up there as well. Um, I really have the strong, I don't know why it always pops up, uh, The Matrix. Um, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Now, that's a controversial one because a lot of people might say, oh, really, that one out of all the Star Wars ones? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's there's some t- sentimentality to it because I watched it when I was 10. But I really love that story. I love the idea of the tragedy and not the story that was told over the course of a saga. I'm talking about that moment in time when he goes to his wife and he's like, I want more, but I know I shouldn't like that resonates with me, man. That like you watch it when you're 25, you're 27, 30, whatever have you that hits different. You see it different. Now, this guy was, you know, a villain. He was after murderous rage, but I know I know what it's like to to want something that's more that's bigger than you. You know what I mean? And trying to prove it to yourself. You know, when he was getting on the Jedi Council and they didn't want to make him master and he felt like he was deserve, deserved it, right? You know, based on his merit, based on, um, you know, his skill set. I know what it's like. You know, I, I, I feel that, like, in my life where it's like, we, we share this about proving ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. you, you said this in our car, car ride from the airport. I want to be famous. You know what I mean? I want people to know me. I want, I want there, there to be, and then I said the legacy, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's something that I I see it as right, and the tragedy is is that he allowed greed right to take over his life, and then that it kind of shows right the how it can affect um, if you go too far right your family right he lost his wife he you know separated from his kids, mm-hmm. so that's a huge lesson in that story, and then like Goodfellas yeah great storytelling masterful stylistic by Scorsese you know it's very I'm not my family's not mafia don't don't get worried guys <laughs> but when I watch it it uh, brings me back, you know what I mean? Like it, it, it brings me to how Italian functions were set up, you know, that the sense of community, just how the story is told, how it unfolds, right? Um, and, you know, the, the story itself, like, you know, the, the you gotta read between the lines, like what's happening. Um, he wanted this life, you know, he thought he wanted, right? And we were talking about that, like the vanity, um, the fame, all that stuff. And then he realized he didn't, right? He went too far, um, even though there was that, uh, you know, not at the audience at the end that he kind of missed it. Right, which is very interesting. That's what I love about Scorsese. Right, is, is a how he challenges the audience. Right, it's just like Wolf of Wall Street. Right, when he tells the guy, the the subway, the uh, FBI director, he goes, "You." He offered him a, a high paying salary job. Right, working for Jordan Belfort. Right, because mm-hmm. he was trying to bribe him <laughs> on the yacht. And he's like, "Did you just try to bribe a federal officer?" And he's like, "Think about it." Right, he's like, "I'm trying to get you out of your life, your miserable life, where you take a subway, you have a, you know, boring life." And he took it, he's a by the book guy, right? He took it as a bribe. And then there's a scene, it's still, res- I don't know why, it just always sticks to me. And even the buddies I, I watched it with, we always looked at each other. It just popped up at the end where he's on the subway looking at the newspaper, puts it down, and then he looks across and he like sees all the, how the people live, like one guy sleeping, homeless guy. Whatever. And it's like, why would he put that in there? Hmm. That's slick director. You know what I mean? Think about that from an editing perspective. He's trying to tell us something. 
He's trying to say like, was he right? Would you choose that path, right? Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy that, films that challenge you, films that make you think like, was this life worth it? You know what I mean? Um, so those are, those are to name a few. Um, I love movies, uh, as you know, with a lot of style. Um, like the stories told, like Django Unchained is another one that I really enjoy. Drive, mm -hmm. uh, Nicholas Winding Refn, amazing. Um, just the way they're shot, like it's very important to me. That's something I aspire to with my storytelling, where it's like, yeah. kind of like with you, like you, you want that big studio kind of thing. Me, it's like, if it's big studio, yeah, it's great, but I want it to be more like A24. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, like independent, but on another level, like premium. Um, not like down and dirty, like you know, spring breaker, like you know, gritty, like yeah, just like more of a more of a polish to it, right? Yeah. Um, I kind of like both. I right. I think because of where I grew up, that grungy look, uh, I'd like. Yeah, that. yeah, for sure. But I also like Spielberg and more like right. He's your director, yeah, and like more sweeping moves and more epic stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because also it depends where you are and what stage as a filmmaker you are what type of movies can you afford to make and there's nothing worse than trying to make you know like a sci-fi action movie with fifty dollars it's not gonna not gonna good. happen no. no matter how good your VFX skills are <laughs> yeah like it's not gonna happen so that's something that I have tried like I I did a short film that we spent a lot of money on and it was like this thriller thing with a mirror dimension thing to it almost like sci-fi like black mirror type thing it was simple but dude it cost so much money to like build that set yeah. and like to shoot the things that we needed to Can do imagine. and the vfx that we did and all that it takes so much money yeah so what have you learned as a filmmaker to do with little money that makes your your films like go further like with this last project yeah. that you did what was the experience there working with a little bit more of a budget? Yeah, honestly, I think it's just being, because I write these projects as well, right? So I think it's just being smart in how you tell the story, like being practical. So kind of what I mean is not going, being reasonable with what you have. So I knew that it was a greater budget, but it wasn't great to the effect where the VFX would be amazing because they, they wanted me, it, it's a basically a heist gone wrong, inspired by Reservoir Dogs kind of thing. Um, so we were thinking like, oh, should we have the guns shoot off, right? Like, you know, but that requires more more of a budget, right? Yeah. You gotta pay the people, like, you know, all that stuff. Um, so the way I wrote it, what I'm saying is that it was very guerrilla practical, like combat, you know what I mean? Um, so for example, like, you know, they find the guy that escaped, right? So it's in a dark, dingy warehouse, right? That was a location we set. It's a one location. We got a fog machine, right? So it makes it, you obscure the site. So you can't see the guy, right? Because people could say, well, how do you not see that guy coming at you, right? He comes from behind. It's also dark. It's dimly lit, right? So it's like you still get that element of a thriller, action thriller, what I was going for, but you eliminate, uh, for budget reasons, like the VFX. You don't mm -hmm. need guns popping off or like going crazy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like, for example, when he when he kicks, punches or kicks him, he knocks the gun off, right? Out of his hand. Amazing. So the, Right? So you eliminate that from this. Then he pulls the switchblade. Okay, now you got yeah. just the switchblade. That, that you can afford, right? Um, because if that gun is waving around, an audience member like you would say, just shoot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying is like, you you write those things in. I call uh -huh. it, it, it's a cheat in a way, right? Yeah. Uh, but the audience doesn't need to know that kind of thing. It's kind of like only you need to. You need, your job is to tell a great story and make them buy into the illusion, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's what it's taught me, what I'm saying, Axel, is writing stories that um, 
can fit the budget, writing stories that are practical, like this next project I was telling you about. Um, we have prospects. Uh, my co-producer says that we could get easily 50 to 100,000. So we're in talks of that. When I wrote it, knowing that as I was writing it, I got more excited. So I started, you know, elaborating some scenes, right? I started, you know, providing um, a more involved script, like, you know, scene, uh, scenes that required more depth or just more elaborate in nature, right? You know, VFX, uh, shootouts and things like that compared to the one I just did, right? It's also multiple locations. Right? It's not one location, right? So if I hear that there's a budget, if I hear there's a potential, um, that's where I go for, right? And that's why I was telling you about my passion project, like the scripts I've been writing since I was 17, that, I, that I, that's the whole reason why I got into directing is I looked at them and I said, are you in this because it'll be a good job? It'll be a good career? Or are you in this because you have an undying passion to tell the story as Scorsese says? And I chose that answer. And that's why I said, I gotta, be, I gotta reverse engineer it and figure out how do I become a director, how people see me as a director. Um, for a long time, people would say, can you be a DP? Can you be an editor on this? You know what I mean? Can you be the cinematographer? Nope, I'm a director. Nope, I'm a director. Are you sure? You nope, I'm a director. Oh, they don't want to hire me? Make your own project. Write your own scripts. Find people that want to work with you. Find an actor that wants to be in the films. Shout out to Abio Michael. You know, he's an actor, aspiring actor. All the scripts that I've written, he stars in them, right? Um, it's important to make it work for you. And it's important, as we were talking about manifestation, it's important to always speak to that, always kind of um, just make it, speak it into existence, right? Like I'm a director. Like when I met you, I'm a director. <laughs> I didn't say, oh, I'm a PA or like I'm an editor, but sometimes I like to direct. No, I'm a director, directed by Daniel Calderon. That's my future. That's how I envision myself, you know? So it's very important that, that uh, I saw it that way. Well, Daniel, thank you so much. Of course, brother. Of course, yeah. Always a pleasure talking to you. Of course. Thank you guys for watching the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Send it to a friend and we'll see you on the next one. Take care, guys. Killed it, bro. Yeah.